Hi, family. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am so delighted that you're with us for our midweek service. And today begins our annual 40-day fast. We always observe the season of Lent, the 40 days of uh, spending 40 days of fasting and prayer, special seasons of fasting and prayer here at Woodland. And we chose Lent a number of years ago because in our community, there's just, it just seems to be a natural time of fasting. Of course, historically, in the church for quite a number of years, a number of centuries, I should say, uh, fasting has always been observed beginning on Ash Wednesday, which is today, and it's observed all the way up till the time of Easter. Now, at our church, we also, at Woodland, we, we don't fast on Sundays because we use the same pattern that the early church used. Jesus said his disciples would not fast as long as he was with them. And Sunday is the day that we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. It's a day of celebration. And so we don't fast on Sundays, but we fast Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday, we just ask everyone relax and, and enjoy whatever you would normally enjoy. Now, some of us, we choose food. Uh, some of us choose to fast one meal a day. Some of us choose to fast 24 hours or one day a week. Some of us choose to fast um, from certain foods, kind of like Daniel did with the Daniel fast. Others of us choose to fast because of medical reasons. They fast from something else besides food. Some people from our congregation, for instance, have, have um chose to abstain from all social media for 40 days. And I think that's a healthy thing uh, to do that. But tonight we're going to be looking at <clears throat> why we fast and a proper reason for fasting. But before we begin this evening, let me ask you to join me and join my wife and join so many others here at Woodland and join us in tithing and bringing your offerings to the Lord. Also this evening, we are also asking you to help us. We want to pay for the education of several pastors in the great nation of Indonesia, one of the largest populated nations in the world, and they're crying out for, for Christian workers and especially pastors right now. And for $3,100, we can put a pastor through Bible college. And so what we're asking you to do is to join with us, and let's just see what God will do through our congregation. So if you haven't given, all you have to do is go online and just click uh, missions. I believe there is. I haven't checked, but there's supposed to be a box there for Indonesia or a category for Indonesia. If you'll just click under funds where uh, if you don't see Indonesia, just click missions and in the memo line, put Indonesia or Indy. We'll get it. We'll know what it's for. But help us as we begin to put some pastors through Bible college. It's so exciting to think of how God is going to use us. I'll have more to say about this um, on my blog, and you can read that at Dennis Clanton. DennisClanton.com. So be sure that you go there. There's so many email addresses. I almost said an email address. DennisClanton.com. www.DennisClanton.com. And uh, I'll be saying more about the helping the pastors there. But before we get started, join me in prayer right now. And if you would, share the message tonight. Sunday, 57 people shared our Sunday morning service, and it just caused the number of folks to skyrocket that watched our services on Sunday. You helped us reach so many more people on Sunday. So click that button on Facebook or YouTube, wherever it is, and share that tonight. And let's get started with the word of the Lord. So join me in prayer right now. 
Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your amazing grace and your goodness to us. And we thank you this evening that, Lord, fasting is not legalistic, it's not ritualistic, it's not even a law, Lord, but it's something that we do as we come before you, and we pray that in the name of Jesus, you will give us a good biblical understanding and common sense understanding of what fasting is all about, for it's in your precious name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. You know, I don't know if you can see my computer. My, my iPad died just before the service tonight. I didn't realize that I had drained the power all day long. And let me mute the sound while I'm speaking. But um, if you can see the computer, I apologize, but my iPad just died, so I'm using my computer to preach from tonight. I've entitled this message, Journey 21. Journey 21 fast. You know, fasting is one of those things that a lot of people talk about, but very, very few people do. In my experience as a pastor, I have seen many people talk about fasting, and then when I've asked them about fasting, I've said, you know, tell me about your fast, and people have said to me, said, you know, I really don't fast as much as I should, or I don't fast, or I couldn't tell you the last time I fast, and I think there's some reasons for that. Fasting requires a level of self-denial that goes beyond sacrificial giving. It goes beyond acts of kindness or deeds. I mean, you can say to some people, you know, let's fast and, and, and do without food for 24 hours, and they're going to panic. They're going to break out into a sweat. These are things people have told me. I can't fast. I get a headache. I can't fast. I get too weak. I, I can't fast because, I, you know, my, my stomach will hurt me. Uh, one man told me, he says, I get nervous even at the thought of fasting. And I think it's because fasting really does, it requires something from us of self-denial because one of the drives that we have in life is, is the, the, the hunger drive. We need to eat, we must eat, and it's not normal not to eat. And fasting in a real way just kind of dials time back. It slows time down. I don't know if you've ever worked a job where you watch the clock. You know, those people that are constantly looking at the clock and, they're, and it seems like the minutes drag by. The closest thing I can relate that to is as a child in school, we had these big clocks up in the classroom. And towards the end of the day, I went to a country school that didn't have any air conditioning. And when the hot weather came towards the end of the day, it just seemed like that sweep hand, that second hand just kind of just moved ever so slowly around that clock until it was time to go home. But fasting doesn't have any ritualistic rules about it. In the Old Testament, God prescribed an annual fast for the church on the day, excuse me, for the nation of Israel on the Day of Atonement, but it's obvious from reading the Bible that many people did fast. So let's just dive right into the scriptures tonight. Jesus gives us a trio, a trio of spiritual disciplines in Matthew chapter 6. Becky and I talked about that a little bit this morning in, my, um, in our daily prayer update. But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 4. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So generosity is to be done in private. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. 
And so your personal prayers, not our corporate prayers like when we gather at church or when we gather for our Saturday night prayer service, but your private personal prayers, you should do those in private and God will reward you. Then, excuse me, and the Father who sees everything will reward you. When you fast, don't make it obvious. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except for your Father who knows what you do in private. And here it is again, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. What's he saying there? Obey what God's Word says. You should pray, you should give, and you should fast. But you must practice those or else you're just deluding yourself. And that's what James is getting at. He says, don't just hear the Word, obey the Word, and do what the Word of God says, or else you're living in this self-delusional zone. And so when people who tell me they fast, but then when I begin to talk with them and say, tell me about your fasting habits. And they'll go, well, it's been a long time, or maybe it's been years, or maybe I haven't fasted since our last fast. You know, we should make this a part of our, of our weekly spiritual disciplines um, to, to spend some time in fasting and prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be a whole day, but I really believe that it's part of the grace of God in our lives. If we, to take, if we take time to fast, if it's a meal if it's uh, like breakfast or lunch once a week where we get away before the Lord and we just fast, if we take a day and we fast before the Lord, and I'll give you some tips for doing that in this message tonight, but we need to practice fasting just like we practice praying and giving. Now, when, we, when the Bible says that you should fast in private, I think you need to let your family know. My wife knows and my family knows when I'm fasting. My wife needs to know because of meal preparation. My, my family needs to know if I'm not at the table, there's a reason that I'm at, not at the table. And the reason I fast personally is because, number one, fasting, fasting makes me feel vulnerable. I, I don't know how else to say that, but when I fast, I feel very vulnerable because, you know, I, number one, I have a high metabolism rate, and number two, we all know we need to eat or we're going to die. So when I fast... I realized that I, God created me to eat. There would have been no fasting if there hadn't been sin in the Garden of Eden. And so when I fast, I realize just how poor I really am, but I realize how rich I can be when God fills me up. When I fast, I realize just how empty I really am. I mean, my stomach feels empty, I'm hungry, and then I realize how full I can be when God fills me with his grace, his goodness, and his spirit, and when the word fills me up and satisfies me. But also, when I'm fasting, I'm hungry. I mean, I'm really hungry. I, I want to eat. I want the taste of good food in my mouth. But then I realize I need to taste all the goodness of God. And so fasting, those are three very personal reasons that I, I don't think I've ever really talked about before. I preached on fasting, but those are three very personal reasons that I fast. Now, first of all, you want to fast with a pure heart. You want your motives to be right. The reason Jesus explained these trio of spiritual disciplines the way that he did was so that people would understand 
how to fast with a pure heart. You see, the Pharisees, they were fasting because they wanted attention. They wanted people to see them. They wanted recognition. And because of that, their fasting really had no value at all. In the Bible, there are three kinds of fast. There's a normal fast. That's where you abstain from food and solid or liquid, but you you drink water. Then there's uh, the normal fast of 40 days, where you do with food and water for 40 days. So I want to be sure I include that. Now, not many of us are called to do that. I only know one person personally that I know that's ever fasted for 40 days, and the only thing they had during the 40 days was water. I know of others who said they fasted for 40 days. I've read their books, and they went without food for 40 days with it, except for water. But I only know one person personally that's done that. And then there's the partial fast, or what we sometimes call the Daniel fast around here at Woodland. And Daniel fasted uh, from all meats and sweets, and he fasted from the, the wine of the king's table, and basically they just ate vegetables and bread. Then there was another time in the Bible that Daniel fasted, set himself to seek the Lord for a few days. And then there's what we call private and corporate fast, and that's where we we either fast privately or we fast like we're doing during the season of Lent. Now, there is one other kind of fast, but it's, it's not, I, the reason I don't include it in the four, it's because this is a, a, a total fast from food and water for 24 hours in a, in a day's time. Now, there are people who practice those kinds of fasts. And I want to tell you, if you go without food or water for 24 hours, you need to talk with your doctor before you do that because that is an excruciatingly difficult fast to make, especially if you take caffeine in any form, whether it's through coffee or iced tea or soft drinks. Um, but a 24-hour solid fast where you have no food, no water, you know, you'd be sure you talk to your doctor about that before you do that. But let's look at what the Bible says about corporate fast. Say to all your people and your priests, during the 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in the early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? You see, that's the question. If I'm fasting to lose weight, I'm not fasting for the right reason. If I'm fasting just because it's a date on the calendar and everybody else is fasting, I'm not fasting for the right reason. You know, I'm fasting because I want to hear from God. And so let me give you five reasons that I believe that we should fast. Number one, I want to hear from God. I want God to speak to my heart. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, these are the leaders in the church, the Holy Spirit said, appoint, or the word could be commission or set apart, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So a lot of times when I know I really need to hear from the Lord, let me give you some examples. I go away every year to for two weeks just to seek the Lord and pray and spend some time in fasting about the preaching calendar for the year. And while I'm praying and fasting, I'm asking God to speak to my heart because I want to be sure the messages that I'm bringing are, 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 is what God wants our church to hear. Now, I can't say necessarily that the message I'm preaching is, is the message that another church should hear, 
But I am very confident when I come to the pulpit on Sunday mornings, I am preaching the message that the Lord has laid upon my heart for our congregation to hear because I've spent time waiting upon God. I I spend time waiting upon the Lord during the year saying, God, if I need to make course direction or course adjustment or, or I have a grandson, for instance, that's a special needs child and I find myself praying and fasting God I want to pray spirit-led, spirit-guided, spirit-directed, spirit-inspired prayers for him and for our community as well. So when I want to hear from the Lord, there are times that I'll even ask my prayer partners or other people, would you join me in a fast? There are certain people that I know I can ask, will you fast and pray on this day with me? And they'll do it. As a matter of fact, they take delight in joining me in a fast, and we see what the Lord has to say. Number two, I fast when I want to pray for others. When there's a special need, for instance, there is a, a family member that we have that her father is in the hospital, critically ill, is going through a, it's called an echo treatment where they're taking the blood out of his body from his heart and his lungs. They're putting it back in. Those of you in healthcare, you know what I'm talking about because he's that critically ill with the COVID virus. Well, I'm spending some time fasting for him. So I'm praying for them. Look at what Psalms 35 verse 13 says, and I'm taking this from the complete Jewish Bible. And by the way, I apologize, but if I reference some personal stories tonight, it's to help you, it's to teach you, it's, it's not to boast or, or to brag about my spirituality. Listen, I need grace more than any of you probably. I need God's mercy more than any of you probably. I, I, I say that very humbly, I need that, but I want you to learn the reasons for fasting, hopefully that you will take up a weekly habit of fasting, not just during the 40 days of Lent. But, when, but I, when they were ill, now look at that, underline that, or if you're using the app, uh, just kind of highlight that. When they were ill, I wore sick cloth. I put myself out and fasted. And I can pray that what I prayed for them might also happen to me. In other words, the kind of health that I'm praying for a man named Tim is the kind of health that I want to enjoy. The kind of health that I pray for you when I'm praying and fasting, that's what I want you to enjoy. And that's the reason that I wanted to use the complete Jewish Bible tonight because I believe it brings out a little something extra that you and I need to get. I want to pray for people the blessings of God that I want to experience for my own self. Now, when I'm praying for somebody, let's just say they're they're, they're, they're backslidden. You know, I just recently went through what that word meant here on a Sunday morning service. But somebody that's left the paths of following the Lord, somebody that's become, let's say they become lukewarm. Let's just say they become a Sunday morning only Christian. My fasting, listen, my fasting doesn't change their mind. But what I do is I pray for them what I want for myself. I want to be sensible. So I'm asking God to help them come back to their senses. I want to be wise, so I'm asking God to help them to be wise before, because wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. I'm asking God to provide for them the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to pull them back on the path. That's what I want for myself. I, I want to be wise. I want to be convicted. I want to be pulled back on the path. But what fasting does, now this is important. Fasting doesn't change their mind. I pray for them. But fasting changes me. 
Because then instead of responding to them with frustration and judgment because maybe they're not following the Lord as passionately as they used to, then I begin to respond to them with wisdom and grace. Does that make sense? You see, when we fast, we're not changing anybody else's mind, but when we fast, we're changing. And the way we respond to people is oftentimes the way God chooses to heal them. God will never heal somebody by your condemnation. God will never heal somebody by your frustration. But when you respond with wisdom and with grace, God will do wonderful and amazing things. A number of years ago, While I was studying abroad, I went and visited some of the places where they're called stylites. They were ascetics in the, in the first few centuries of the church where they would literally get on pillars and they would sit and sometimes they would live on those pillars. And those that lived on the pillars were actually called stylites. And they, they fasted continuously and emaciated themselves. I remember studying that and just going, how does this fit into what the gospel has to say about how we live with people? These people, they, they, they didn't want to be tainted by the world, so they went and they lived on these pillars in desert places. A few years later, I'm on another continent, and I go and I visit where there, there's this, this mountain, and there are these caves, and these hermits live in these caves, And they're all emaciated. I met some of them. I talked with some of them through a translator. Some of them have lived so long by themselves, they can't really communicate, and they've deprived themselves of so much food that their minds are no longer what they used to be. But they live there because they've tried to separate themselves from the world and the sin of this world. But here's the question tonight. How can you learn to love if there's nobody else around? How can you learn to live in community if there's no one else around? How can you learn to be patient unless you have a community of people to be patient with? We're patient in families. We're patient in marriages. We're patient in church. We're patient at our jobs. How can you develop the kind of spiritual fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and long-suffering and temperance or self-control? How can you develop that fruit unless you're in community with people? So fasting, it doesn't necessarily change the mind of somebody else, but it changes me, and I don't have to try to separate myself from people. I just simply get before the Lord. The third reason that I fast is I want to repent of sins of omission and sins of commission. You see, fasting helps me to see sin as God really sees it. Because when I'm hungry, when, I'm, when I begin to fast and I pray and I feel that hunger for God, I feel that emptiness in my stomach and I'm reminded of how empty my life is without Christ, it helps me to see sin the way God sees it. It doesn't get me forgiven any faster. It doesn't get me forgiven any, any more completely, if that's the proper way to say that. I, you know, I, I want to be sure and get that across. I don't fast to get forgiven. I don't fast as an act of penance. But what I do is when I'm fasting, I ask the Lord to search my heart. I ask the Lord to search me, try me. I, I found myself today praying, Lord, just search my heart, expose anything in my heart that needs to be forgiven and needs to be healed. You see, when my fasting gets to that place where I'm saying, Lord, not only the sins I've committed, but the sins of things I should have done that I omitted, it begins fasting For me personally, it intensifies my ability to see the ugliness of sin 
and the beauty of God's grace. And I hope that really comes across. It intensifies my sense of the ugliness of sin and the beauty and the wonder of God's grace. Russ Duthat is a Roman Catholic um, editorialist for the New York Times. I've read behind Russ for years and his editorials, and I find him to be a wise, I find him to be a well-spoken man. But one of my football heroes that I always enjoyed, and one of the men from our church took me to a Michigan-Penn State game, and I got to watch, and I did. I kept my eyes primarily on Lou Paterno as he would run up and down the sidelines of the game. I always admired Lou. And Russ writes about, back in 2011, Russ writes about Lou Paterno and the fact of his omitting to expose a coach that had done some horrible things to some boys on his team. Russ talks about in the article all the good things that that Lou Paterno had done. He said, I don't want to take away from any of the good things. He says, by all accounts, Lou Paterno is a decent man and a good man and has accomplished a lot of good in his life. But Lou, by omitting by failing to report this coach or failing to report the things that he had heard, he likened that to many good people who overlook the sins of others and they hurt another child or they hurt someone else. And you see, friends, there is no reason whatsoever to excuse because of somebody's many good works the abuse of a child. And I think you would agree with that. And so all the good things... I don't want to just focus and go, God, look at all the good things I've done. That's kind of like the Pharisee who prayed, who says, I thank you, I'm not like this this publican here, this tax collector. I want the Lord to show me the things that I should do as well. You know, the Bible tells us there were national days of prayer and fasting. We always have a national day of prayer here in the United States. But look at what the Bible says. When Jonah preached in the wicked city of Nineveh, and I can remember this all the way back to my childhood with the little flannel graph things. This is what the king of Nineveh said. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. And when God saw what they had done, and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, one of the things I know about God is he is sovereign. His purposes are unchanging. Nothing that you and I can do will ever change the purposes of God. But imagine what would happen because there is judgment that comes with sin. Imagine what could happen in the United States if suddenly we were gripped one more time and began to humble ourselves and fast before the Lord. God would send a revival, I believe, with all of my heart to this land and to this nation because we know his grace and we know his mercy. It was never God's desire to destroy Nineveh. He wanted Jonah's message to convict them and prick them. And so when Jonah told them what would happen if they didn't repent of their sins, the king called for a fast. They believed the word of the Lord and Nineveh was spared. Look at what God said to Israel. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. 
He is eager to relent. Notice that. He is eager to relent and not punish. Don't you love that about God, that he's eager to relent and not punish? Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve and send you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. What's he saying? Friends, he's saying that that the judgment for the sin of Israel had become so severe, they didn't even have the, the resources to offer grain offerings. They didn't have the resources to offer wine offerings in the temple for their sacrifices. And you know, sometimes, for instance, people who abandon the Lord or the people who fail to quit tithing or people who fail to tithe, they'll find themselves, their finances getting worse and worse and worse until they say, I can't afford to tithe. You see, it's when we repent and we come with fasting and we rend our hearts that God will remove that curse of sin, that judgment of sin. Sin always carries a judgment. Now, Christ took the judgment for us at Calvary. And you know I'm pointing to the cross over here at our sanctuary. If you're, if you're not from Woodland, that's what I'm doing. I'm pointing at a cross. But Christ took our judgment. And if we run to him and trust in him and humble ourselves with fasting, even those Christians that are backsliding can be healed and restored. Peter, it's interesting to me on the day of Pentecost when the church, what we call the birth of the church, it's interesting to me that this is the message that Peter appealed to. And number four, I fast when I want strength and direction from God. If I feel myself getting weak in faith, I don't go out to a buffet. If I feel myself needing some direction and guidance in my life, I don't go out and try to get a movie and amuse myself. Instead, I humble myself with fasting. Look at what Ezra did in Ezra chapter 8 and verse 23. I proclaimed a fast there beside the Ahava Canal, a fast to humble ourselves before God and pray for wise guidance for our journey, all our people and possessions. So we fasted and prayed about these concerns and God listened. You see, Ezra didn't want to ask the king for his protection because he'd already told him that God would protect them. So Ezra humbled himself and all the people that were going with him humbled themselves. God not only gave them the guidance they needed for their journey, God protected them on their journey. One of the stories I love to tell is about a Chinese evangelist during the reign of Mao Zedong who would not stop preaching the gospel. Under that communist ruler, under Chairman Mao, he was put in prison for life. And after Mao died, the prison officials, they had noted, you know, this man was not a threat. This man shared the love of Christ. This man tried to be a servant. He wasn't rebellious. They released him from prison after Chairman Mao had died. But the, the evangelist's name was Epaphras. He adopted a biblical name. He adopted the name of Epaphras. Epaphras found out. Now listen to this. Epaphras found out that the jailers falsified his credentials for being released by saying that Epaphras recanted his Christian faith. They would not let Epaphras back into jail. He wanted that changed. And so what he did was he had a cage made and he sat in a cage outside the prison gates. And he says, I'm a prisoner for Christ. I will stay here. And he's lived in that cage all day long so that people would know he had not recanted of his faith. He was a prisoner for Christ. Now, it took incredible strength. He died in his 70s. 
a rich old age, but I admire that kind of determination to say, you know what, I am not going to compromise. I am not going to even be released on false pretenses. He wanted to be known as someone that loved God and celebrated God's amazing grace. And then finally tonight, I fast as a way to worship the Lord. I love this passage, and I am almost out of time here. Anna says, the Bible says about Anna, she never left the temple courtyard, but worshiped day and night by fasting and praying. You know, when you fast, worship the Lord. Don't go in and say, oh God, this is so hard. Don't go in and say, oh God, I'm struggling. If you're struggling, tell him, but be sure you lift your hands and be sure you worship. Let me give you some real quick tips tonight how to begin fasting. I took these, and I put the web link there inside of your notes. You can go to it, but if for some reason uh, you don't see that, just go to Campus Crusade or crew.org. And uh, these are some tips that have always helped me that I got from Bill Bright. I read his book on fasting ooh, back when I was in my 30s, I think, and it's been just such an incredible, helpful book for me, and I would commend that book to you as well. Number one, set an objective. What are you fasting for? There are several things in this 40-day fast that I am fasting for our church. I'm fasting for our family. I'm fasting for our community as well. So I have an objective written down for what I'm fasting for. Number two, commit to your fast. I know how I'm going to fast. So decide how you're going to fast. If it's going to be a partial fast, you know, like Daniel's fast, or if you're going to fast one meal a day, or if you're going to fast one meal a week, or if you're going to fast one day a week, be sure you write that down. Put it on your calendar. Remember, you've got to schedule it. Ask for a group of people to hold you accountable to that. You know, ask them to encourage you to do that. So however you're going to fast, commit to your fast, and then prepare yourself spiritually for your fast. And by that I mean spend a little extra time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer saying, God, help me. I want to I observe this 40-day fast. Now, fasting is something that even though we've done this before, I'm asking God to help me observe my 40-day fast just the way that I've committed to doing it. And I'm asking my prayer partners to help me with my 40-day fast as well. Then prepare yourself physically. Now, you know, if you've never fasted before, I would lay off all caffeine. I would, I would not try to do a day's fast without first beginning to wean myself, say, for instance, of caffeine or begin to wean myself a little bit. If you're, you know, maybe eat just two meals instead of three meals for the day. Uh, and if you're going to do a total fast for a day, um, drink water. But if you're going to do a total fast, then um, what you might want to do is to, is to start by diminishing the amount of food that you eat. And then maybe just go to juices, fruit juices or vegetable juices to help you fast. But prepare yourself physically. And by the way, be sure you talk to your doctor. Um, I, I think that's so important. I know people, there are physical reasons they should not fast but they choose other ways to fast. They can fast a meal or they can fast, for instance, meat from their diet for a certain period of time. But talk to your doctor. He'll help you with that. Have a schedule. Number six, if you go on to an extended fast, like say three days or 24 hours and you've never done that before, break your fast gradually. Becky and I recently talked about how we broke our first three-day fast. Back when we were in our 20s, we broke our first three-day fast by going to a, 
a delicatessen that we enjoyed going to. We got big homemade hamburgers and french fries, and we were so sick that night. You know, break your fast gradually, maybe with some juice or oatmeal or something like that. And if you know me, I don't like oatmeal. So, but break it gradually. And then finally, expect results from your fasting. Expect God to answer your prayers. You know, I'm really excited because I truly, truly believe that as we are fasting as a church during this COVID crisis, we're going to see some spiritual breakthroughs. We're going to see some revival breakthroughs. I hope that you'll join me on my blog post at www.dennisclanton.com. I'm going to be blogging about that this week. I really want you to read the articles I'm going to post. I think you'll find them helpful. And please remember, help us tonight if you would, especially with our missions offering as we send several pastors through Bible college Four years of Bible school will cost us only $3,100. How can we not help when this is one of the nations that needs evangelizing the most? I, I forget, I'll be telling you on Sunday how many unreached people groups are in Indonesia. I'll be telling you about the, the, uh, how the Islamic extremists are making headway in Indonesia. And the church is experiencing revival right now. And we want to be a part of blessing them. God has made Woodland not only a house of prayer, but a house of bread. Let's make it a house of sending too, by sending more workers into the field. Would you join me in prayer tonight? Lord, as we begin our journey 21, prayer and fasting for 40 days, I'm just asking you to bless our congregation. Bless everyone who joins us on this fast. And may we find the fast a delight, Lord. We humble ourselves. Lord, we, we put ourselves before you in a place where we want you to convict us of sins of omission and commission. We want to put ourselves in a place where we are changed by our fasting and praying so that we know how to speak to people who may be backsliding or we know how to speak to people who are not making wise decisions. And Lord, we're asking you tonight to also touch us and anoint us as we begin this fast and this 40 days of fasting, that God, just like you touched our nation when President Lincoln asked the nation to humble itself with fasting and prayer because they knew that if we humbled and fasted and prayed and repented of our sins, it's, it's right there in that declaration, Lord, then God would pardon, God would forgive, and God would heal. I thank you for that. And I ask all of this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us tonight.